And he's going to grieve the loss of his cousin, the loss of this great prophet. He's going over there to grieve, and it says the crowd came and found him, and when he saw the crowd, he healed them all. And I remember stopping and going, Lord, what was that? And the Lord spoke to me and said, revenge. That's how God strikes back at the enemy. That's how God responds to those types of things. He, his, his weapons are different than, than Satan's weapons. And how God gets revenge is he goes out and he heals. He goes out and, he, and we share the gospel. And many, many of you, at times, you're getting beat up. You're getting your family being attacked. You're, and you're, don't just hide away. I love that movie. How many of you love that movie, War Room? That, that movie made me want to grow up and be a little old black lady. You know what I mean? I was like, and that, that, there's no gender confusion there. I know which of the 47 genders out there that I am. I know which one I am. But uh, it, it, when, you, when you stop and you see that movie, but you know what I was like? I was like, let's put that little, I, I grew up in Atlanta, so I grew up around a bunch of little old ladies like that. You know what I mean? And so I'm like, take her out of that closet and stick her in the middle of a mall. Man, put that woman laying hands on some people. You know what I mean? I mean, you want to see a revival spark in a mall? Put that little old lady in a mall. She'll, she'll blow the place up in, a, in the most positive Holy Ghost way. I'm not talking about terrorist way. But anyway, uh, but this is our take a toll shirt, and it just says if the enemy's going to attack you, don't just let him, you know, don't become his punching back, hit back by going out, sharing the gospel, bringing people to Christ. Make the enemy regret he ever even messed with you. That's our response, and that's how, how we see things turn. We also have these partner cards back there. This is to help with our ongoing work. We're planting schools throughout the Middle East uh, in under, you know, to, to minister and to equip the underground churches in Iran, in Afghanistan, uh, in, in Iraq, uh, in Pakistan, and in Armenia. And we need your help in doing that. If the Lord speaks something to you to, to partner with us on that, grab one of these cards, and it'll take you to the website, and you can see all of those things there. Jacob, if you'll grab this. Uh, thank you so much. Well, you know, I tell you, I'm excited to share with you today, and I, I feel like um, the Lord's put something on my heart uh, to communicate to you. It's something I've shared, I've shared that I can only remember one other place before. But I, Growing up, you know, I was, I was at a, um, I'll never forget, I was a young man, and I want to I kind of talk to you about, uh, you know, sort of the impact of what revival has had on my life in some ways uh, in sharing this message. But uh, one of the things that, that uh, when I was a young man, I remember uh, before, it was before I was a teenager or anything like that, there was this particular church that was in... Uh, my parents were pastoring in the Atlanta, Georgia area. And then the southern part of, of Atlanta, there was this particular church that we would go to. Now, I was young at that time. Uh, this was in, you know, in the uh, late 70s. And I was, I was really young. But I remember we would go there and I could feel something just in the atmosphere. And we would, and I thought it was, you know, to me it looked like it was a bigger church. But when I, when I reflect back... You know, the building wasn't, the sanctuary wasn't really any bigger than this building here. 
But to me, you know, because I was a kid, it looked like it was thousands of people, you know. But now when I reflect back, and I've actually been back to that church and preached in that church since, and, and it's not as big as what, it, you know, in my mind as what it was. But I remember we would go in there and you could feel something. It just felt like, the only way I know to describe it was it felt like an enthusiasm in the atmosphere. There was just like this, you would go there and you'd just start getting excited and you didn't know why. And, uh, and I remember there was a move that was happening with the young people in this church. And there was this, this joy that was there. There was this excitement that was in the air. And, uh, and I, I don't even remember, you know, we, we went to go see some singers or, you know, people that had, you know, some uh, music ministry stuff. And they were there and, and they were singing and they were just doing their, you know, s- concerts they would do everywhere. But there was something happening. You could feel something stirring. And, uh, and then all of a sudden, for, for several years, we would kind of go there, and you could feel it build. You could feel the church grow. You could see things happen. And something was occurring. But then all of a sudden, we went uh, a couple of years later, and it was like flat. And it was, yes, oh, that's how I felt when I walked in. And I was, again, I was a young man, And then all of a sudden we began to hear that there was a move that was happening across town uh, just probably 20 minutes away from that place where that there was something happening with the young people at that church and that there was something that was occurring that was happening there. Now one of the the elders there uh, later became a prophet under Dr. Bill Hammond and became one of his prophets from Christian International. And he told me the story of what took place in the behind the scenes. And what began to happen was all of a sudden, there was almost this uh, friction of, uh, that was happening in the leadership that they didn't like the fact that it was happening with the young people, that they wanted it in the main service, they wanted in it. And what was, what was gonna take place was you were gonna see this transition throughout the entire church if you would bless it and encourage it and let it go. But what happened is, is it got shut down and it got put into a box and trying to fit it and squeeze it and press it into this box ended up it was almost like it jumped from this location over to this location and it was sad now the other place that received this thing man the leadership were like yes yes go go and they saw this youth group that only had about 25 young people in it that had started this music band, and the musicians were terrible. I mean, they would get up to play, and they weren't always, you know, singing in key, and, and, and the, the, you know, they, they, the guy that was kind of playing the lead guitar, they had a lead guitar and a rhythm guitar player, they were both playing rhythm the whole time, because the lead guitar player didn't know how to play leads at all. You know, and they were just, and they were hitting chords off and off. Well, you walked in this room, and you could feel the electricity of the Spirit of God in this place. I remember I went there to hear, does anybody remember Iverna Tompkins? Anybody remember her? I went there to hear Iverna speak. And first of all, I was like, what does this little old lady have to say? I was 12. You know what I mean? I was like, this little old lady doesn't have anything to hold my attention. And I, when she got up to preach, I could not take my eyes off of her. Every word felt like an arrow just penetrating my heart and my spirit, and I couldn't look away. I mean, Iverna blew it. To this day, in my opinion, Iverna Tompkins is the best preacher I've ever heard in my entire life. 
And I mean, there's, there's not, and I'm not talking about, I'm not saying she's the best woman preacher. She's the best preacher of anybody that I have ever heard. Bill and Benny Johnson said, we agree with you 100% that, that she's the best preacher we've ever heard too. There's something, there's an anointing on that woman. But when, man, when she stood up, it just felt like air. And I ended up stepping forward. She calls me out. She gives a prophetic word, not calls me out by name, doesn't point, say, she goes, over in this section, there's a drummer and this has been happening in your life. And just gave some stuff. And man, I, my mother's looking going. And I'm like, don't look at your mother. Don't look at your mother. She's going to know you know. She's going to know. You know what I mean? And then she says, drummer, I don't know what your name is. I don't know. What. And there was like a thousand people. that She goes, I want you to get up here as soon as possible. She goes, I want to pray for you. I jumped out of my seat and I ran forward. I mean, this lady read my mail from the back. Didn't, didn't call my name. By the time I got to the front, there were six other guys standing up there. And they were all older than me. I looked at them. I said, she wasn't talking to any of you. You need to all go sit down right now. That word was for me, and you missed it. And she pointed at me and nodded. She came off the stage. She put her hands on me, and she goes, it's you. And I was like, oh, I know it's me. You know, and, and she prayed for me, and she goes, I was under this serious demonic attack that was happening. I was being visited by demons every night. By the way, saying that, let me, let me punctuate something do not miss Ken Fish. Do not miss him. Ken is brilliant. He's, I tell everybody he's the smartest friend I have. And he's one of the smartest guys and, one of the, and carries an authority in the spirit realm, especially with the breaking demonic power like nobody I've ever seen. Do not miss Ken Fish. You will, you, it, will take, it will take you to another level. I promise you, don't miss him, okay? But all of a sudden, something broke inside of me. And man, I went from sitting at the very back of my dad's church after that service to sitting on the front. I bumped this little old lady off the front row. She's never forgiven me. <laughs> to this, I stole her seat and I sat there and I was taking notes on my dad's sermons at 12. You know that's a God thing, you know, when that happens. But something shifted, something happened. But what I'm pointing out is there was this, now that youth group went on. They grew from 25 young people to 1,000 in one month. And you know why? Because the, the leadership just opened their arms to it. And, in, and what ended up happening is the growth that happened, the youth group, surpassed, the church was only about 300 people. The youth group grew to 1,000 and then 2,000. And they were, they were, they had outgrown, they couldn't hold, they couldn't put the, the meeting in the sanctuary because the sanctuary wasn't big enough. They had to have a separate, but they finally ended up getting a 2,000 seat tent, you know, to put outside and for people to meet there because there was such a move of God. And that launched a ministry that ended up going into where the church ended up growing into about 14,000 people. Now, when you would go there after that, you know, several, many years later, about a decade later, you didn't feel that same, that same sense of that electricity in the air that it was at the beginning. Now, that's always grieved me. Why do, when I study the Cane Ridge revival, not, why do revivals lose? And there's something that has got to be posture in the heart, and I kind of want to speak to that uh, today. And over and over, I was in Toronto. I was, I know Yuri went to Toronto, probably many of you visited. The, the, there's a video out of me at Toronto showing me drunk as can be by the spirit. Make, maybe make clear that what the source was and where I'm just 
totally inebriated. I'd never experienced that before. That had never happened to me before, but that was the launch of something that was very, very powerful for my life. But, and I'll come back to that one here in a minute. But what, it, what happened with that, where that a move of God was missed, is so grievous to me in my spirit and what had happened. And so I wanna talk to you, I, wanna, I, wanna, I titled this, gave this a, a little title called Unclaimed. And I wanna talk to you, and I imagine this church has probably delved into this subject before, you've delved into a lot of stuff. But uh, there, I wanna talk to you about things that have been unclaimed. When I was a kid, there was a company that was called Unclaimed Freight. Has anybody ever heard of that? And we used to watch these commercials on TV, Unclaimed Freight. And it was this uh, huge, massive cargo and stuff like that, shipments of things that had been shipped, but nobody came to claim them. They were unclaimed, and so they would sit, and you could literally buy stuff that was you know, pennies to the dollar uh, and, and, and many times you didn't know what you were buying. It could have been in containers and they wouldn't open them. But you were, you were buying these things uh, to turn around and to resell. And, but many times there were treasures that were in, involved. And of course, they always told those stories where people opened the boxes. And there, there, there was one point where somebody opened one of the containers. And there was this gold chair in there that they had bought, I think, for like $50. You know, and, and there are things that, that people were discovering and having. They did not realize they were getting treasure, but they were getting treasure because they were going in. And there are things that have been unclaimed uh, that are like that. There have been unclaimed inheritances that have been out there. Many of you in your family, there are things that have been, that have been released into your family. My grandfather was really, I believe in my heart, a prophet. But because of persecution in a time that didn't understand prophets, he was shut down, locked down. You know, he was a Seventh-day Adventist, and he went back in the early 1900s, was at a Seventh-day Adventist college, and he and some roommates started fasting and prayer. They had a visitation of the Spirit. They all were baptized in the Holy Spirit and began to speak in tongues. And they, had, they didn't even know what tongues were. You gotta realize, I mean, this was after the Azusa, Revival that, that uh, William Seymour had, had, God had used him to launch and to release that, that, that now we are all the children of. And if you ever, you, ever, you want to look back to really one of your, who your spiritual father is in many ways, it's William Seymour. A, a blind and one eye former slave. That's who God chose and picked to be the spiritual father of a massive charismatic Pentecostal revival that has swept the world. You know, and, and it's very, very true. So we, don't, we stop and we think, well, it's got to be somebody that's likely. Trust me, there were a lot of people that didn't want anything to fit in that box. But God does what he wants because he's God. <laughs> and, and if he wants to do something, I want to comply. I don't want to resist. I don't want to fight it. I want to be a part of it. Amen? Three of you. Good. I got three of you on my side right now. But all of a sudden, there's, there, this, this applies to you in, in finances. It applies that there's lands, there's things that have been taken, there are things that, that there's talent and abilities. Let me tell you something. There's, there's so many people. I, I gave a prophetic word when I was in the Dominican Republic years ago. Um, to, there was a young man that was there. This was probably about 13 years ago. And this young man was only about 15 years old, and I, I called him out. It was in a, there was, a, n nobody knew who I was or anything like that. There's probably about 30 people in this service. And I called out this young man, and I said, I see you playing a guitar. Do you play a guitar? He goes, no. 
I said, do you play the piano? Do you play? No, no, no. Do you play any instruments at all? Nope. Don't play any instruments at all. I was like, do you sing? Nope, I can't sing. And I was like, well, I'm, I'm giving you the word no matter what. You know, I, I already, I'm starting off not feeling like I'm successful in this, but I'm just going to go ahead. Everybody's already heard it, so I'm just going for it. I said, I see you writing songs that are going to be heard all over Latin America. And that there's going to be worship. You're a worship leader. There's a worship heart that's on you. There's a Davidic thing that's on your life. And I went on to prophesy other stuff. And everybody's looking around the room like, have you heard him sing? I've heard him sing. I don't want him singing in a microphone in front of me. You know what I mean? Everybody was kind of. And I remember when I went back, the, 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 the pastor of that church where he was at, he w- I was speaking at a different church than, than his pastor was at. And about three years later, I came, uh, he invited me to come back, and, and we were sitting in the service, and he looks up, at, at, he, he turned to me, and he said, do you see, you see that guy leading worship up there? And I said, yeah. He goes, does he look familiar to you? And I was like, no. And he goes, are you sure? And I'm like, I'm sure, he does not look familiar to me. And he looks at me, he goes, that's that young man that you gave a prophetic word to three years ago about writing songs and about playing the guitar and all this stuff. And I said, oh, really? And he goes, yeah. He goes, do you remember it? I was like, no, I don't. I really didn't even remember it because once I kind of give a word, it's sort of gone. You know what I mean? And he looks at me and he goes, he said, he said that, that young man, he said after that, he determined that he was going to follow what you said, that he was going to act on that word even if none of it matched him. And he started doing that, and he goes, Robbie, he goes, he's writing songs that are blowing us away. And he's right, and today, now this is like 12 years later, many of those songs are being recorded all over. Marcus Witt, who's one of the most famous worship leaders throughout uh, uh, the Latin American worship, is, has recorded a couple of this guy's songs. I mean, it has just gone far and wide what's happened because he chose to believe the word of the Lord and he chose to follow it despite what he liked. Listen, let me tell you why. God is the gift giver. You may stop and go, I'm not talented, I'm not, I don't speak well, I don't do, none of that matters. God's a gift giving, he can give gifts to whoever he wants. It doesn't matter what you have, it matters what he has and what you're willing to follow through and grab a hold of what he has for you. Does that make sense? Two of you, good. I'm, I'm depleting, I'm going from three to two now. So all of a sudden, there's talents, there's gifts, there's inheritance, there's things even in the natural, lands that have been stolen from people, things that have been going in and, 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 and where, where God, I know that God is saying to us that these are unclaimed, they're, they're sitting there. With my, with my grandfather, after they had that visitation of the Holy Spirit, the next, uh, serve, the next chapel service they had at his, at his Seventh-day Adventist Bible College, the Spirit of God hit my grandfather and he stood up and he began to prophesy. He first started speaking in tongues, and then he began to prophesy. He began to prophesy about the Second World War. He began to prophesy about all these things that would happen in the nation, things that happened. And somebody was sitting there recording it, writing it down, and uh, he prophesied, well, the persecution that hit him afterwards was so intense in that other group that my grandfather ended up having a nervous breakdown. His sister had to go retrieve him from the college, bring him back home, and on the train ride back home, he looked at her and he said, I will never prophesy ever again. And he didn't 
until many years later, when I was 15 years old, he looked at me and he said, Robbie, he said, you are going to go to nations no one wants to go to. And he says, you're going to equip people to do things that they don't think they can do and to see things they don't think they can. He's sitting there telling me all of this, you know, and I was like, you know, that's really cool, Grandpa, but I just want to be a, you know, a Christian rock star. I don't want to do any of that stuff, right? (laughs) (laughs) But later, I gravitated to it. I grabbed it because I recognized there was a prophetic word in that. There was something that was being released. And we need to understand the value of what's being released. There's some people that won't grab a word that's being spoken. There's some people that it could be directed right at them, and they'll just turn around and go, I don't want to go, I want to go the opposite. Look at Jonah. You know, look, look at it. There, there are choices that we have to make. Now, I want, you, I want to take a look at this, because there's angelic visitations that are there for you. There are things that, that have been promised to your bloodline. I, I'm telling you right now, many of you after this, and I'm asking you to take this seriously, go and pray and ask the Lord to reveal to you eternal promises Kingdom promises promised to you, to your family, to this community that have never happened. And begin to claim them. Begin to say, those belong to us. Begin to say, that belongs to me. Begin to take it personally. Begin to grab a hold of it. Begin to run with it. Begin to stop and say, this is what we're doing. Now listen, Romans 11, 29 through 33. This is from the NLT. For God's gifts and his call... God's gifts and call. You see that? We, we quoted many times the calling, but we forget about the gift. God's gifts and his call can never be withdrawn. Do you see the word never? Can never be withdrawn. Once you Gentiles were rebels against God, but when the people of Israel rebelled against him, God was merciful to you instead. He's speaking to us about receiving the inheritance that the Jewish people have not. Now, I believe, of course, in praying that they will come into the fullness and grab a hold of it. I mean, our whole objective in what we're doing in our ministry in the Middle East and in Central Asia is to send Ishmael to, send, uh, Ishmael to evangelize Isaac. We want to send these, these, these uh, former Muslim people to be, you know, these uh, from, from Arab descent to turn around and go back and share the gospel with. I think it would blow the Jewish people away that here are these people who hated them, despised them, now are loving them, caring about them, and wanting to see them to come into the fullness of what the Messiah has for them. That's what I believe God is, that's a mandate that's on our ministry. But until then, there's an inheritance there that has gone unclaimed. So claim it. Take it. He's speaking to us to receive something that is there. Verse 33. Oh, how great are God's riches and wisdom and knowledge. God's wisdom, riches, and knowledge. They're great. They're vast. Many of us have unclaimed inheritances. This may be some in the natural, but don't be distracted with the natural ones. Because I'm telling you now, the supernatural ones go much further and go much broader and are much more effective. And have much more value. That's just the way that it is. And the impact that they have is, is so strong. 
It's so intense. I remember when I was, I was youth pastoring at a Mennonite church in, uh, in uh, central part of Illinois, near Peoria in Morton, Illinois. It was Trinity Mennonite Church. And this was a church that had really been birthed. Malin Miller uh, was a pastor who had planted the church. And it had been, birth, it had been a part of first uh, Mennonite in, in town. And then they had a, a visitation of the spirit. They ended up getting kind of booted out. And so Malin ended up planting a separate church and, and making it a, a, you know, a church that was really going after the stuff of the spirit. It was really great. But then all of a sudden things sort of subsided. There was like a, a subsiding point that had happened after, you know, about a decade and a half. It began to sort of ebb off. And, 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 and when I, I remember when I heard, I didn't know anything about Mennonites. I didn't know anything about, I, I was like, do I have to wear a bonnet? Please tell me no. You know, or a big rimmed hat, you know. I like my car. You know, I was so ignorant of everything. And it was so powerful to be able to go there and to get a, an understanding of Anabaptist theology and stuff. I mean, I, would, I, I see it as a great value of mine now today and understand uh, the Lord was building a lot in me during my time there. But I remember when I was, when I was there, all of a sudden, these guys... And I remember, I remember, it's so funny, the, the message I got up to preach when they were trying me out, you know, checking me out to see, do we want this guy or not? I, was, I, I titled the message, The Violent Take It By Force. And I got up and I said, I said, I understand there's a pacifist thing, but I'm telling you, God is raising up violent people. And I said, I would like to rename your youth group Violent Mennonites. We never got the name approved. <laughs> the name never got through. <laughs> but the spirit of everything I was talking about did. You know? And I remember, I remember the, the pastor told me, I said, why me? Why are you talking to me? Yeah, I grew up Pentecostal. I never grew up in this environment. I you know, and he looks at me and he goes, we, he goes We're, we don't really have any evangelists here. We need some, you know, because a lot of our people think of evangelism as just having babies. You know, that's how we evangelize, have more babies. And he goes, we need some evangelists here. We need something. And I was like, all right, all right, we'll do it, you know. But we went there, and they began to go to Toronto. Now, when they came back, I didn't like it. You know, these sweet little Mennonite people, you know, they came back acting weird. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I, I'll never forget. I, Norma Stuckey was, the, was in the office she, her husband was the, was, the, uh, was the worship leader of that church. And I went in the office and <laughs> Norma looked like a mad woman. She was talking to the church secretary, Jean Chapman, and she comes in and she's standing. Jean's trying to make copies and Norma's going, and her hands are flailing around like this. She's like, more, Lord, and her hair's going every. This is a lady that never had a hair out of place. You know what I mean? I mean, it was like frozen, you know, in her, in her, it looked like a football helmet consistently all the time, never changed, you know, and her hair's flopping around, she's like, Aah! and I'm like, have you been nipping at the jug? What is matter with you? You know what I mean? And so, and I, I, I kind of get past it, and I go into the pastor's office, and this guy's name is Dave Troyer, and he's the pastor of the church. And Dave was always had perfect tie, suit in place, everything. And Dave's tie was off to the side. 
And I was like, what is, and I walked in and I said, hey, Dave. And he goes, yeah, yeah. And his tie is off to the side. And I'm like, and he goes, what, what, what? I said, did you, are you hearing Norma out here? And he goes, what's going on? I said, man, she's acting like a mad woman. I said, I, I, I think she's crazy. Something's, something's wrong here. And he looks at me and he goes, what do you mean? I said, she's laughing like a man. And he goes, ah! He goes, I know! He goes, it's beautiful, isn't it? And I was like, she shared the jug with you. And I got out of his office as fast as possible. I was like, man, I don't know what they are doing, but we went into the service and people start laughing. I'd never seen these people laugh. And all of a sudden people start laughing and I, I, I turned to the person beside me. I said, this has gone too far. I said, I am going to put a stop to this because this has gone too far. This is crazy. I saw crazy stuff like this in early Pentecostal. This is worked up hype, and I'm going to put a stop to it. And because I was, you know, the youth pastor, I had access to the mic, and I stepped up, and I looked at the elder. I said, can I say something? He goes, yeah. He goes, Robbie has a word, a word for us. And I stepped up, and I said, I said, hear what the Lord says to you today. I didn't have the courage to say, thus saith the Lord. Thank God I didn't. But I said, here's what the Lord says to you today. This is it. Get in. I handed the mic back to him. I went and I sat down. And the guy sitting beside me, he goes, I don't think that's what you were going to say. And I said, it wasn't. Don't ever ask me about it again. We never speak of this ever. And he's like, okay. And I was like, and then the whole place just goes crazy. And I was like, this is sin. I've gone mad. Until I got hit by it. You know what I mean? And then all of a sudden, everything. But it's so crazy because my intent was to shut it down. Just like those pastors of those, or that other church that I had seen. And thank God, God just took over my mouth somehow and derailed the whole situation. Listen to this. Isaiah 60, 1 through 5. Arise, Jerusalem. Arise. This is a word for this church. Arise. This is a time to arise. How many of you know? Cancel culture. All this stuff is trying to shut down, trying to manipulate, trying to keep your mouth shut, trying to keep you from speaking up, trying to keep you from saying things. Why? Because it wants to control anything that God can speak out and wants to make it politically incorrect and wants to make it, you don't, and intimidate. Well, I don't want to make anybody mad. Our job is to be peacemakers. Let me tell you something. You have been given power and authority. Use it. You have been given wisdom. Speak it. Don't move into this place to where you sit there and you get intimidated thinking somehow you're being Christ-like. That is not Christ-like to allow unrighteousness and sin prevail. There's nothing wrong with stopping and looking at, at the population and going sex outside of marriage is still sin. And when we start changing that or adapting to a different message, we, are, we have sold out the truth and we will lose the power of the Spirit when we go down that road. 
I'm speaking, preaching to the choir by telling you guys that, but it's just true. Arise, Jerusalem, let your light shine for all to see, for the glory of the Lord rises to shine on you. Why is the glory of the Lord being released? To shine on you. Take that personal. Take that personal. Even say, the glory of the Lord is here to shine on me. Not just us, but me. Make that your personal quest. Darkness as black as night covers all the nations of the earth. We know that to be true. But the glory of the Lord rises and appears over you. This is the word of the Lord. This is the Lord making this personal as Isaiah is is speaking this, this prophetic word. That it is something that is personal for you. God wants you to receive this uh, personally. All nations will come to your light. Mighty kings will come to see your radiance. Who is he talking to? to? Talking about himself as God? No, to you as the glory of the Lord rises on you. As you receive the glory, as you determine to walk in the glory, as you determine to release the glory, everyone will come to see it rise and set on you. Why? Because they will see there's hope for them when it comes to, to you. Look and see, for everyone is coming home. Everyone is coming home. Your sons are coming from distant lands. Your little daughters will be carried home. Your eyes will shine and your heart will thrill with joy. For merchants from around the world will come to you and they will bring you wealth of many lands. I'm telling you, that's a prophetic word over this church. There's a release over this. There's a release that is here for you. Is it because you've, you've asked for riches you've had? No, but just because your heart is postured to see the glory of the Lord being released in this area. To see the glory of the Lord being released and to see what happens. When, man, when we understand how heaven's economy works, when we understand that, man, when we give stuff to God, God doesn't forget. He doesn't forget to, to pay dividends. He doesn't re- forget when we do things and we respond to him. And it's not even by command, I love giving things when nobody asks. You know what I mean? I, there's, it's hard for me, honestly, when somebody, people, somebody asks me for something, it's hard for me to want to give it to them. I'd rather give it to them when they don't ask because I like catching them by surprise. Anybody, anybody identify with that? I like surprising people. I like doing things like that. And when we act in a, in a response, man, but I tell you what, I like being surprised by those types of things too. Having... having us having the mentality of God, I'll do whatever you tell me as long as you tell me, is putting us in the position to work as slaves rather than heirs. Well, Lord, I'll go tell my neighbor about Jesus if you tell me to. He said, go into all the world. What else do I need? Do I need another directive? Do I need another direction? No, he said, go do it. If I go and do it, I'm responding to that word, and there's a blessing in receiving that. I, and I love, I love, I don't like it when people are, are sitting there going, well, I'm waiting for God. To, people to ask me, they're like, well, of course God told you to, to go to Afghanistan. Of course God, you know, gave you the assignment of Afghanistan. God, let me tell you something. I was going to Afghanistan, and then the Lord confirmed it, really. That's how it happened. I was going to Iran, and, and then the Lord confirmed it. Why? Why do we have to have a word to do something God's already told us to do? When we're telling, you know, we tell, you know, people, well, you better, I've had, heard this so many times, it makes me sick. Well, you, you better have had a clear word from God before you go to a nation like that. And I always tell people, I've actually had five prophetic words. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Acts. 
All of them say, go unto all the world. Why do I need a prophetic word to go do that when the Lord's already spoken to you? Why aren't we telling, when somebody just says, I want to cross the street and tell somebody Jesus loves Well, have you had a clear word from the Lord? Seriously? Have we gotten to that place? Shake that off. You are an heir with Christ. Act like it. Use it to bring glory to his name everywhere you go. I'm not moving to the place of, well, I better, I better have a clear word from the Lord before I go do something. Otherwise, that's a slavery mentality. I like it when my kids take out the trash and I haven't asked them to. They just started acting like heirs and start, stopped acting like servants. Only three parents with young people in their house. That's amazing. <laughs> three people said amen to that. Have you ever heard of R.G. Letourneau? R.G. Letourneau is incredible. I was, I was at a, I, I was, I was at a uh, college in Georgia called Tacoa Falls College, and, and it's a beautiful campus. It's at uh, this Tacoa Falls. It has these beautiful falls that are there. And I remember I, I was there, and I, I, I stopped, and I said, man, this place is beautiful. I said, who, who built this? Was the, it was, it's from a particular denomination. And I said, who built this? And they said, oh, R.G. Letourneau. They said, didn't you see the name over the big hall, Letourneau Hall? And I was like, R.G., the R.G. Letourneau. R.G. Letourneau was an incredible guy. He made these, he made these big earth-moving tires when nobody could make them that big. He says God gave him the technology. God gave him the specs of how to build it to where the rubber could hold these huge earth-moving equipment. Everybody else was having to use, you know, the, you know, uh, sort of the, what, I forget what they call it, but the chain tire thing, you know. But R.G. Letourneau was able, God gave him this, this way to, to do it. And R.G. made so much money. He started off, he was giving 10% of his income. Uh, the next year, he looked at his wife and he goes, we make too much money. We need to give 20%. So they gave 20%. The next year, he said, we're still making too much money. We need to give 30%. By the time it was over, R.G. Letourneau was living off of 10% of his income, and he was giving 90% of everything he had to God. And he still was complaining that they had way too much money. But why in God's economy, when we, when we seek to, to sow, when we seek to give, God is like, well, let me just give that guy more because he'll sit there and put it where, where I want it rather than where he wants it. It's the same with the gifts and callings. If we're looking to receive something just for ourselves, if I'm looking to receive a gift from God to be somebody, that's dangerous. But if I'm looking to make him somebody... And I want, I want to use that to bring him glory, to bring him. There's something that, that changes. And, the, and when, when, the, when, that, when those commission, there's commissionings, there's talents, there's gifting, there's callings, when all of that becomes in sync with the Father's heart rather than my desire to gain, then all of a sudden a flow begins. All of a sudden a revival launches. All of a sudden a move and, a, and it spreads the fame of Jesus' name. God is making promises that he will restore the great light, you know, that was released over when he says, arise and shine in the midst of darkness. He's committing to bring home what the enemy has stolen and to restore the radiance that has tarnished and diminished and has been snuffed out. I want to show you a quick little video of what our plan is with Afghanistan, but it fits within this, and it was, it was birthed, a lot of this message was birthed out of this when I began to see what was happening. 
And this is what we beginning, we're, we're telling the Afghans, listen, this is what you need to do. This is what our assignment is. And to take advantage of this moment, now that you're being displaced from your country, to train you, to equip you, to raise you up, to go back and take back what the enemy has stolen. And I, I just want to show that to you really quick. It's like a minute and a half long, and then I'm going to come back and finish. Go ahead and play that. Imagine you're in your home in Afghanistan when all of a sudden you find out that the Taliban has come in and completely taken over the nation. And within a few hours, they're on your doorstep, throwing you out of your home, sending all of your family out into the street with nothing but the clothes on your back. Imagine trying to find treacherous terrain to cross over on paths that would lead you to a free nation, or at least that would give you some sense of freedom, and having to cross that with young, small babies in tow, and not knowing where you were going, and not knowing where you're going to end up. This is what happened to our brothers and sisters in the underground church in Afghanistan, the second fastest growing church in the world. This was Satan's plot to completely undermine what God was doing with the Church of Jesus Christ in Afghanistan. But it cannot be stopped. Getting them out of the country was only the beginning. This is our opportunity to raise them up, equip them, and to send them back to retake the land that Satan stole from them, where I can promise you this, they will not stop sharing the gospel. They've known too much to lay it down. It's now our opportunity to rise up and to support them, stand with them, to rally behind and to be the hands and feet of Jesus on their behalf. I want to encourage you, join us in this endeavor. I said this Friday night, the Taliban became, unbeknownst to them, the largest mission sending agency in the world. When they drive out the Christians of Afghanistan and they are sending them out to become missionaries to every land they go to. To see every Muslim encounter the power and the lordship of Jesus Christ and to see him reign supreme over those nations. The attempt that the enemy was doing to totally sabotage and squash what was happening as a move of God will not stop. Because the kingdom of God is the unstoppable force on the planet. Nations will rise and fall. Kings will rise and fall. But his kingdom is without end. Isaiah 49, 8 says this from the King James. Thus, thus saith the Lord, in an acceptable time I have heard ye, thee. And in a day of salvation I have helped thee. I will preserve thee and I will give thee for a covenant of the people to establish the earth and to cause uh, to, cause to inherit the desolate heritages. There are heritages, there are inheritances that were promised, that would be given, but they, have, they are lying desolate. Somebody has to reclaim them. I told you last night, John Wimber had prophesied over Christy Wilson that there would be a massive revival that would happen in Afghanistan and would spread throughout Central Asia and the Middle East. And, I, and, 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 and Christy is now in heaven before the Father, and I'm sure basking in the presence of God. But I'm telling you right now, that is, a, that is an inheritance I plan on reclaiming. That is a word that I believe was straight from the heart of the Father, and we will see Afghanistan be a Christian nation. You mark my word. I'll die on that hill. 
I will die on that hill. But there's other moves that have taken place. And what has God spoken to you and your family or your area that needs to be picked up and reclaimed? What is laying on the ground that was walked away from or abandoned? Billy Graham one time was asked, why did God choose you to, do, to have Billy Graham crusades, to have Billy Graham ministry? Why did God choose you? Billy Graham said, because there were probably three other people that said no. There were probably three other people that said, I don't have time. There's probably three other people that said, I don't have the ability. Are we going to reclaim that? Mother's Day 1980, Lonnie Frisbee was preaching at the Yorba Linda Calvary Chapel Church that was pastored by John Wimber. There was an, he had, he had just, just 10 years before, he was preaching at Calvary Chapel, uh, the, the main Calvary Chapel church where Chuck Smith was preaching, and there was a mighty move of God that came there. They literally went to, you talk about a similar thing that had taken place. They, they, we went within a couple of months from being just about 150 people church of Calvary Chapel, a little four-square church, to, to within just a few months being over a 1,000, filled, you know, the sanctuary filled with all these hippies and all this, you know, uh, counterculture people. They were inundated. But all of a sudden, Calvary Chapel shut it down. All of a sudden, uh, Chuck Smith loved his teaching, loved listening to him as young people, but all of a sudden, he became uncomfortable with signs and wonders. He told Lonnie, if one, of, one more person falls out while you pray for them, I'll fire you. Yeah, that's what happened. And it ended up, Lonnie got to where he was praying for people and he would hold them by their hair. With me, he'd have to hold me by my beard, but he was like, I don't have any hair. But he would hold them by their hair so they wouldn't fall down because he didn't want to get fired. But the Spirit of God had launched that through Lonnie, but then all of a sudden, man, let me tell you something. One thing you never want to do is try to steady the ark. If it's rocking and rolling, let it rock and roll. God will look after it. God will take care of it. And then all of a sudden, all of a sudden with what happened at, 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 in, uh, at the Calvary Chapel, Yorba Linda, all of a sudden became the vineyard movement. It became a mighty movement. And churches began to plant all over the place. John was teaching on healing and teaching on uh, words of knowledge and, and speaking things. And then Toronto hit in 1994 where I got really impacted. I ended up, after that meeting at that Mennonite church, I, I, I ended up going. I was like, well, I'm going to go on this trip. I mean, if God took over my mouth and said, this is it, get in, then it must be a word to me because I didn't like it. And I remember walking in the building going, these people are so weird. Trust me, by the night walking out, I was the weirdest one there. <laughs> be careful of what you judge. It just, I think God just is like, <laughs> let me show you something. <laughs> you become the craziest one afterwards. And I remember, I remember going back uh, to, to our church and being, man, this is it. I've never seen or experienced anything like this before. I mean, I, 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 was, I was shake and bake on the floor for hours you know, as the spirit was moving. And I, I remember going back to the, this, this church and, and, and was so excited. We began to have sort of these revival nights and, and they were, the spirit would move and get strong. We ended up having Randy Clark come. And Randy Clark came and, and man, just this, this little church of probably about 250 people. We had 800 people. I mean, we had, we had to open up all these back walls and people were just crowded in, you know, to come and to, to experience and to, you know, get a touch from God. It was, it was incredible. 
And the spirit began to move and things began to happen there that was absolutely amazing. And I remember several months afterwards, I was moderating this service. We'd take turns as elders and moderating the service. And I got up to moderate the service. And I'll never forget. And it's so weird because these, these things would happen to me in my life. And I always thought it was the other people. Like the first time my pastor in Atlanta, when he let me to go uh, preach, nobody gave me a cutoff time. When did I have to stop? All right, I'll I'll tr- I'll, tr- I'll try to I'll try to go a little a little quick. I'm assuming. Okay, I'm I'm not going to assume anything right now. But all of a sudden, if you got to go, go. The rest of us are going to levitate, but you go do whatever is important. Pastor Yuri, the Lord's going to give you a sense of how to finish this up. I just, I just feel that. The Lord's going to give you a sense of what kind of ministry or I, I, I just I sense that. It just, yeah, just be open to whatever. I know you're a man of the Spirit, so I just say that to you. Uh, uh, we'll, see where that goes. we'll see where that goes and what happens. But all of a sudden, man, I, I remember this one Sunday we were there, and I, I, I began to feel the Spirit in worship. Now, our worship really wasn't that great. You know, our organ player wasn't the best organ player. Our piano player wasn't the best piano player. It was just like that youth group back in Atlanta. I mean, this one was actually, they were a little bit more accomplished musicians, but they just, they weren't that good, period. And all of a sudden, we're sitting there, but you could feel, how many of you know God doesn't have to have everything just perfect? (laughs) Matter of fact, he kind of likes it when it's not, for some weird reason. All of a sudden, we began, I could feel the presence of God pulsating in this room and I, I walked I got up and I was supposed to start with announcements I got up and I said the spirit of God is in this place the spirit of the Lord is here and, and, and is moving something's happening and I said can you guys go back through that song and I said could all the elders come over here because we did everything by a quorum you know everything had to be made as a group a decision and so all of a sudden the elders came up and the worship team went back into the song and I stepped over and I said I think we need to just let the Holy Spirit rip in here I'm sensing the Spirit of God just wants to move in here. And I was like, what do you guys say? And I actually approached the pastor first, and I asked Dave, I said, what do you think? Now, this was several months after that initial touch that he had said. And he goes, well, we got to get, you know, we got to get see what the elders say. And I said, okay. So we called the elders up, asked them. Everybody was like, yes, yes, yes. I didn't notice it, but Dave was the only one who didn't answer. And so I stepped up and I was like, all right, we're going to, I said, the spirit of God is here and God's presence is about to fall in this place. As soon as I said that, the organ player and piano player went backwards off of their stools and hit the ground. The drummer, I don't know how it happened. The only thing we can conclude is that the drum's throne, that's what they call that seat that the drummer sits on, flies out from under him. And he hits the ground. And he's looking like, who kicked that out from under me? Nobody's around. And all of a sudden, you know, the bass player goes face forward. Bam! Hits the fo- I'm like, how it broke, it didn't break his nose, I don't know. But he hits, he hits the ground. It did break the bass, but it didn't break his nose. And all of a sudden, man, it was it, it just this wave went throughout the church. And people just started dropping like flies. We weren't even laying hands. Well, then all of a sudden, I jump out, and I'm laying hands on people that are still standing. And I'm like, Lord, do it to them. Lord, do it to them. I didn't know how to pray. And I was like, Lord, just do it here too, please. You know? (laughs) 
And all of a sudden, the, the elders start laying hands. People just start, man, the whole room just erupts. Now, this is typically what happens. There was about a third of the room that got hit and hit hard in the best way. About a third of them were like, something's happening. I'm not quite sure what, you know, but I can definitely feel something happened. And the other third were ticked off. And we're like, this is not God. They were like me at the, at the meeting uh, several months before. This is not God. I don't like this. This needs to stop. Well, the next day, I go into the office. And I was like, man, this, it, it just totally, you know, nobody preached. Nobody, just the spirit was moving. And the next day, I go into the office. And the pastor looks at me. And he says, I want you to come in my office. I want to sit down with you. And he looks at me. And he goes, I didn't agree to that yesterday. And I said, well, you said talk to the elders. We talked to the elders. He goes, yeah, but I didn't say yes. And I was like, what does that mean? And he began to rebuke me. And he began to say, don't you ever do that ever again. Don't you ever. And what we found out later was that he got massively touched in Toronto. But his wife was massively against it. And all of this friction and this opposition began to occur. Now, to this day, that church marks that day. And they celebrate that day every year in their calendar as the day that the Holy Spirit came and brought them a Pentecost, is how they say it. You know, but yet there was for, the, now, now the next year and a half, me being at that church was hell. I mean, I felt like David running from Saul. I mean, I really did. I thought, I felt like I was, there was a javelin coming after me, <laughs> behind me. It was, it was intense, and, it was, and, and so I ended up moving on and planting a church and going elsewhere, but I'm telling you right now, the reason I'm telling you that story is to say we all have a choice to whether we're going to pick up and run with what God's doing or we're going to turn and run away from what God's doing. Or we're going to stay neutral and say it possibly could be God. But all those people had a choice in that room today, that day to either embrace, reject, or stay neutral. And my encouragement is don't stay neutral. It's almost better to be a rejecter. Saul was a rejecter, you know, who later became Paul. He was a rejecter, and he got God's visitation came and moved on him in a powerful way. I'm taking too long on, on telling this. Are you guys okay? Am I boring you? Good. Thank God. Listen to this. The Lord spoke to me one time, and I was like, God, so many people were impacted by the Toronto blessing. So many people. You know, and I was like, it, it, I, probably hundreds of thousands of people were impacted by the Toronto blessing. It was so powerful. It was so, and the Lord spoke to me and said, yes, but I intended millions to be impacted by that revival. It was sold short. Was it sold short by John and Carol or not? Absolutely not, because they moved with it. But the vineyard and its relationship wasn't, wasn't, wasn't pushing with it, and they ended, up, they ended up becoming a separation. You can choose the move of God, or you can reject it. The choice is yours. But let me tell you something. That revival is still waiting to be picked up, as all the others the Cain Ridge revival, many revivals throughout history. Hebrews 11, 39 through 40 says, All these people earned a good reputation because of their faith, yet none of them received all that God had promised. How many of you know, I don't want to leave here and God said, Man, I had so much more for you, but you just, you didn't grasp it. You didn't run with it. You didn't take it. You didn't, you didn't grab a hold of it. All that God promised. For God has something better in mind for us so that 
They would not reach perfection without us. God is wanting throughout even all of history us to reach that place together with all of these moves. He is calling us. The people of God in the past earned a great reputation, yet they did not receive all of the encounter. They did not receive all that God had in store for them. And that means there's more. There's more to be had. Don't look at some other move and go, well, that's the peak. No. Let me tell you something. Many times that's just the foothill before you hit the peak. Matthew 16, 19 in NLT says, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. How many of you know there's an authority that we have that we, that we, we either use or don't use? We either put into place or we don't put in place. A group of Afghans that we, we've, we've rescued to date about 335 and are taking care of about 335 as refugees in neighboring countries, feeding them, housing them, taking care of them, and help, trying to help them get resettled in other nations that are there. One of the groups that were coming, they were from the Hazara people, which is one of the most hated people groups in all of Afghanistan and throughout all that part. And they walked up to uh, one of the borders of a neighboring country. I can't say which one, but they walked up to one of the neighboring to one of the borders, and the the the, the guard that was standing there from the other country looked at him and said, "He goes, I'm not letting you in." He goes, "You're Hazara," and they said, "Yes, we are Hazara." And he goes, "We don't like Hazaras. We hate Hazara." You, you have to go. You have to leave. We're not saving. And so they, they started walking away, and they were like, well, let's walk 50 miles to the next border. And one of them goes, no. We have the authority over this. We are children of Almighty God. We've been authorized by the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. They have to let us through. And he says, let's go back. And they stopped and they prayed. And they said, Lord, we command that that border will open to us. And they will welcome us in and receive us gladly. In the mighty name of Jesus. 15 minutes after they had just been rejected, they approached the border, the same guard again. And he looks and he goes, oh, wonderful. We're so happy you're here. Yeah, come on in. And invited all 17 of them to come through as refugees. Didn't even mention the fact that they were Zara. And he had just approached them just 15 minutes before. You have authority that you're not using. Don't leave it laying on the ground. Don't leave it just sitting aside and, and being wasted. There's inheritances. There's things that God has for you. Things that the enemy has stripped away. Just like with the Afghans that have been taken away. Reclaim those. Cindy Jacobs gave me a prophetic word. We were doing a, uh, my friend Daniel Kalinda who, who uh, heads uh, Christian Christ for All Nations, uh, Reinhard Bonnke's ministry. And he had invited me to come up to Toronto. They were doing a Redigging the Wells uh, conference in Toronto and down in Brownsville. And uh, Heidi Baker uh, was supposed to do the opening night, but they had some uh, tornadoes that were happening in Mozambique. And so Daniel said, hey, can you come and preach the opening night? He goes, I want to show that video of you drunk <laughs> in Toronto, and then you, you preach. And I was like, yeah, sure. So we, we, at the last minute, grabbed the ticket and flew up there, got there. They had to race us. I mean, I still had, you know, a T-shirt and workout pants because I didn't have time to go change or anything. And we uh, went up and they, they um, went up to speak and, and went up to minister. And I'll never forget just standing up there in that, uh, at, at the next day, Cindy wasn't there that day. The next day, she said, she, she goes, I don't know how this relates, but there's some connection to what happened here to what you're doing over in the Middle East and in Central Asia. She goes, something you picked up here that you're going to take there. 
And she said, and she started giving this prophecy about the Silk Road. And she started saying all these things of, of what would be coming through, through going through the Silk Road and bringing these people to Christ and bringing transformation. And she said, she made the comment, she goes, I see, you know, stadiums filled of people and, and all this. And I've never sought that. Because honestly, I don't see that as the solution. I see all the indigenous people being raised up as the key to nations. And all of a sudden, I came and I sat back and John or not patted my leg. And he goes, Robbie, there's only one thing I disagree with that prophetic word. And I said, and I said what's that? He goes, you're not going after stadiums. You're going after entire nations to bring to Jesus. And Cindy had prophet because she had prophesied. She goes, you're going to bring a million Muslims to me in heaven that have all embraced and accepted Christ. I am determined to see that fulfilled. I'm determined to not let that be lying on the ground somewhere that somebody else picks up and runs with. Can you stay with me a couple more minutes? You okay? All right. Forgive me, forgive me, forgive me. To all who have overcome, Revelations 2.26, to all who have overcome and who obey me to the very end. Why do some of those things get circumvented? Why do some of those moves of God? Because we don't stay with it till the very end. All of a sudden we get bored. All of a sudden we get tired. All of a sudden we get, and we don't stick it out to the very end. Stay with it to the, the message Bible says it this way. He who stays at it refusing to give up. Make that your determination. I refuse to give it up. To them I will give authority over all the nations. To them I will give authority over all the nations. I love it that it just doesn't say over a nation. But all the nations. If you've been praying for a nation. Start going after more. Start increasing that to more. The main reason why that our desires and inheritance don't match up with heavens is because we can easily get motivated by materialism or by pride instead of by the heart of the Father. Keep your heart in sync with the heart of the Father. Keep your heart in sync. We only do that by spending time with him. We only do that by being with him, by allowing his presence to saturate us, to over, overwhelm us. So that we may say as Job in, 20, in Job 21, 7, why then do the wicked prosper? You know, where all of a sudden we're stopping and we're looking and going, why are these other people prospering? Why are, because maybe they've stuck with it to the end and we haven't. When the going got tough, we got going. And because God refuses to control, let me tell you something, why does that happen? Why do we see revivals shut down? Why do we see those things happen? Because God refuses to control Man will always desire to control, but not God. God refuses to control. Otherwise, he'd have made us just a bunch of robots. How, what's the proof of that? Free will. The proof of that is free will. You can refuse to be healed. You can refuse to be. I, I went to, to a lady that was in a wheelchair one I said, I want to pray for you to be healed. She goes, no, don't. I said, why? She goes, insurance. And I was like, I know people that have insurance, that keep receiving dividends from their insurance, even though they were totally, completely healed and totally restored. And she's like, no, nope, no, nope, I don't want it. Went to a guy beside her who was also in a will, who was a quadriplegic. He, had, he couldn't move anything from his neck down. A quadriplegic. We prayed for him. 
And all of a sudden, he began to move. We began to see movement happen. All of a sudden, his legs began to move. Kept praying. We began to see more things. But let me, let me tell you something. A week and a half before I left that country, that guy was playing rugby. And just a week and a half before, he was a quadriplegic. He goes to the doctor and sits down at the doctor. They, go, they do a C-scan, and the doctor looks at the scan, and he goes, you're still a quadriplegic. And he goes, well, then how do you explain this? And he goes, I don't know, but you're a quadriplegic. All the damage, the appearance was still there, but yet everything was completely restored and completely fine. That, guy's, that, that was seven years ago, and still to this day, he's doing fine to this day. Guys, hang on to what God says. Hang on to it. Zechariah 4, 6, only two more verses. This is the word of the Lord, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. We are not doing these things by our might or by our power. They come by the Spirit of the Lord. Receiving and embracing these inheritances, these callings, these revivals that have been set aside isn't something you will do within your own might or with your own ability because remember, God can give talent and ability to anyone he chooses. He's a gift-giving God. And he lavishes gifts on those who follow him. As long as we're pursuing his face instead of just the gift. Why do we want to pick up these gifts? Why do we want to pick up these inheritance? Because there's more in there and promise. And there's an increase of the spirit to be had that was walked away from that we want to reclaim for the glory of the Father. Romans 4, 17, in the latter part of it, it says, for, God, for, for in God's presence he believed that God can raise the dead and call into being all things that don't even exist yet. Man, I want to encourage you, go home and really study that scripture. Go home and really study that. Because there are things that God is wanting to release to you. There's things that God is, and you're sitting there looking and going, but I don't think that's ever been done before. Guess what? God likes doing that. God likes doing it just that way. But it hasn't been done this way before. God likes doing that too. You know why? Because then we can't take credit for it and only he can get credit for it. That's his goal. That's his objective. But I want you to stop right now. And I want you to contemplate what even in my family line was a gift or a calling. Maybe there was a, a minister in your family that had a fall that fell into adultery or something like that. And lost a mighty move of God or lost a ministry that needs to be reclaimed. And maybe you're the one to reclaim it. Or maybe there's somebody that, that, that rejected a move of the spirit because of fear of men. Or like my grandfather ended up pushing away a gift because it caused him trouble. Rather than seeing that he was participating with God who troubles many times the waters and participating with that. There are things that are in you that maybe, and just I'm going to invite Pastor Yuri to come up because they're, they're going to do an offering. But I want you to in this time contemplate what has been left aside. What is maybe, imagine this floor is the place of destiny. Is the destiny of revivals. Is the destiny of moves of God. Is the destiny of healings. That were rejected. Or that were abandoned. What are you going to do to reclaim those? What are you going to do to re retake that. And to see that be restored. Father I pray that you would speak to us. That you would put in our hearts and our minds. Maybe we had a loved one that was really had an anointing on their life. But they walked away from it. Or something happened. And you want us to reclaim that. Father, just reveal that to us. Reveal what we are to reclaim. Or it may not even be a relative that is associated with us. But it's somebody that we know that God was moving on. Or something we heard about. It may be even we don't know them personally. It may have been a hundred years ago. 
But we want to reclaim that which was lost. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. We're going to take up an offering for Robbie. I want to, want to challenge us. Um, I've always believed, not always, since I've been in ministry, the light that shines farthest shines brightest at home. If you want God to bless you where you are, you need to be willing to sow into something God is doing in the ends of the earth. And, and so, so many times, I mean, I've literally had people come tell me, well, you don't have any business going to South America. We've got enough needs right around here. That's, <laughs> that's, that's self-centered American Amen. thinking that needs to be broken down. If we're willing to take what God gives us to the ends of the earth, God will bless us with more at home. I believe that absolutely. And, and what Robbie was saying about revival, by the grace of God, we will always, we'll, be, we'll lay down our life for that here. You know? Um, but we're going to take up an offering. We're, we're going to pass the offering bags this time because there's just too many people to, to kind of try, everybody try to find their way to the front. So, Father, we just thank you for Robbie. We thank you. Uh, thank you for his life, for his ministry. We just want to bless him and honor him today. And Father, we just want to uh, release to him all that you've put uh, in our hands to, get, to release to him and his ministry. And we bless it and we ask, Father, that, he, that it would continue to grow and expand uh, to fulfill all that you have assigned for him. Thank you, Father, for that he's been faithful to pick up what others have left behind and to carry it to the ends of the earth. We thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, so, and as we take that up, I just want to uh, ask you also to consider, as Robbie said back in the, at the table, there are cards where you can actually commit to uh, ongoing support for him and his ministry. Uh, if you want to uh, receive ongoing blessing in your own, uh, in your own land, when Toronto broke out, you know, I was serving a Baptist church in Northern Virginia. And the Lord spoke to me and he said, there's this Feast of Tabernacles going on in Toronto. And if you go and celebrate what I'm doing there, I will bless your own land with rain. And so I, t I went to this pastor and I said, I'm going to Toronto. And he said, I'm not sure about that. There's some really weird stuff going on up there. And so I told him what the Lord had said to me, and he, and he honored the word, because he was a Baptist, and Baptists honor the word, you know. They, and, uh, and he said, okay, if that's what the Lord said, that's, that's script, that's fine, that's biblical, you go. And I went, and God impacted my life, and I, and I recognized uh, the presence of God there. And I, I, I honestly believe Toronto was probably the most successful modern-day revival. Agreed. It's still impacting. The results of that is still impacting nations today. I think that was stewarded better and, and, and more powerfully than, than probably any modern-day revival anywhere. Amen. John, John and Carol were willing to lay down their life for what God was doing. They did, and God blessed it and honored it. And by the grace of God, we're going to do that here. Amen. So this is what I'd like you to do. If you're, if you're willing to pick up what others have left behind. If you're willing to claim what was lost uh, and pay the price for stewarding it, then I'm going to invite you to come to the altar. Robbie's going to pray over all of us and ask for the God to release to us 
what's been lost, and to give us a heart of faithfulness to steward it well for him. That may be a call that, that, that your grandparents left behind. It may, may not even be anybody in your bloodline, but often it is. Something that somebody left behind, and you're saying, Lord, I'm willing to pick it up. I'm willing to steward it. I'm willing to give my life to protect and to guard what you put in my hand and take it where, as far as you have asked me to get, take it. And then, and then I'm going to, you know, as Robbie, the Holy Spirit's going to do some pretty interesting things as we do that. Then I'm going to grab Robbie and I'm going to take him to lunch so that he can eat before we get back to school. And, and I'm, it's, it's going to be me and him and Jacob, nobody else, because I haven't even had a time to have a, have a private conversation with him since we got here. Uh, and uh, so we're, but the Holy Spirit is going to give what we ask him for. Amen. Amen. Go ahead, Robbie. I knew that would be the call. I just, I just knew in my spirit. At one point, the prophet is talking to the king, and he says to him, "Take three arrows and strike the ground." And the king grabbed the arrows and he struck the ground three times. And the word of the Lord that came back was, "Why didn't you strike more?" Now you will only go in, defeat your enemy three times. You should have kept striking. You should have kept going. This is something the Lord is saying to this group, to the people that are here today. Strike the ground and don't stop striking. Strike the ground and don't stop striking. Be determined that you will not quit, that you will not give up until you see the move of God, until you see the restoration, until you see the promise fulfilled. Strike the ground and don't stop striking. Make it, make it your determination that I am not going to lose out on what had happened. I believe that, that, that anointing that was on my, my grandfather, it jumped to my mother. My mother was a prophet. God showed that woman things and that would blow me. I, I was scared to death to do anything wrong because I knew Jesus would show it to her and reveal any, any sort of secret sin that I had in my life, you know. But, she, but, but the Lord is saying, don't stop. Don't stop. Be determined. Be determined. It may be that God is speaking. That may be something even uh, that's monetary. I'm not saying to not do it, just, just do it in, this, in the spiritual. But if our pursuit, if it's in sync with the heart of the Father, then it's the right thing. If it's selfish gain, then it's the wrong thing. If it's selfish ambition, then it's the wrong thing. And so I want you just to put your hands out right now. And I want you to envision what that is. There, there may be something you have come up going, I don't even know what that is, but I know God has something for me in this. I know something was set aside. Maybe a grandfather or a great-grandmother left something aside that I want to pick back up and run with and that I don't want to see lost, I don't want to see abandoned. Envision that in your mind's eye right now. It may be a mighty move of God. It may be a, a God using you to spark a revival in your neighborhood or in your community or in your family. It may be children that have walked away from the Lord that you're calling back and saying, those, that is my inheritance for the kingdom of God to see them walk in truth and to walk in righteousness. Envision that now. I, I even sense for some of you, it's it's something that you left behind. That yes. You need, that you need to pick back up again. Stay here. Stay here, please. 
Holy Spirit, we don't want to leave something unclaimed. And what others didn't value or what others got scared of because the price was a little scary, we're saying we're willing to spend our lives for. If it costs me my life that nations come to you, that's a deal I'll take. If it costs me and my children their lives that nations would come to you, I know that's an offer we would all make. My, my children would make that in agreement 100%. Lord, we refuse to see abandoned what you are wanting to launch and what you are wanting to release. And so, Father, right now, I just, just envision in your mind just grasping that thing. Maybe it's a move of God. Maybe it's a calling. Maybe it's a pastoral call. Maybe it's a, a call to raise up. Maybe it's a call to equip. Maybe somebody hurt you and you abandoned it because you got hurt or you got wounded in the church and you abandoned it. That call did not come from that person. If it came from God, you don't walk away because somebody hurt you. Trust me, otherwise I would have walked away from everything because I've been hurt over and over and over again. Imagine grasping that in your hand and now strike the ground. And say, God, this is mine. It may be with you stomping your foot. It may be with you hitting the ground. It may be with you, but you're saying, I'm taking this and I'm not letting go. I'm hanging on to it and I refuse to let it be lost. I claim this as an inheritance, a mighty move of God for my children, my grandchildren, my great-grandchildren, for a thousand generations to walk in truth and to never abandon the truth of the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ and to hold it and be champions of that even unto death. Strike the ground. How desperate are you to see God's will fulfilled in your life, in your family, with your destiny? Now for some of you, you need to call it out. And right now, just shout it out, whatever it is. It may be Peru. It may be a nation. It may be an area. There may be children's names. Call it out right now. Oh, don't be polite. Don't whisper it. Calling it out when you're claiming something is loud. Come on. Shout it out. God, I will not stop until all of Iran is proclaiming the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And every Ayatollah bows their knee to Jesus as God. I will not stop until all of Afghanistan is singing the praises of Jesus. And your name is being proclaimed throughout the streets and being heralded. And it's a sending nation. Afghanistan will be a sending nation all over the world. Will I be the only one who shouts? Father, I thank you the Uyghurs will be set free. Come on. Shout it out. Come on. With your shout, you are striking the ground. Strike the ground. Is that all you're asking for, Apple Creek? Is that it, really? Is Freedom Church, you're going to only go for a few? Come on! 
You have the ear of the Father. What are you proclaiming to you? You will take for His glory. Come on. Man, this section's striking the ground. I like that. Come on. How desperate are you? How desperate are you to see a move of God? Come on. Come on. Yes, Lord, we agree with that. Come on. I don't know if there's anybody from the worship team come up here, but can we just finish this with a celebration? Can we just celebrate in advance, man? Don't wait till the battle's over. We want to shout now. Can somebody from the worship team come up and do it real quick? Man, I don't want to wait till the battle's over. I want to shout now. I want to shout in advance. I want to celebrate in advance all that God will do. What's been declared, what's been reclaimed in this room.